What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Hollywood Already Did It, your weekly movie podcast for movies that have been rebooted, remade, sequelized, adapted, curated from something other than an original thought that a writer had in a room that a producer then gave notes on until it fit their vision, until they attached a star who changed it again, until they tested it for audiences who changed it a third time, until it made it all the way to your home, where you then dictated how you thought it should have been on Twitter. As always, I am your host, Blake Schultz, and with me is Terrence Tatum. Hello, everyone. And on this week, we are doing another in a much longer list than I realized of movies that Disney has adapted based on properties in their theme park, as well as talking about the genre of that movie and why I believe that we should have more of them, but also why we probably don't and why that genre is everlasting. Of course, I am talking about Jungle Cruise and why the adventure movie genre matters. This movie has come out this weekend, again in the pandemic, again with a premium access release. Will The Rock and Emily Blunt join Scarlett Johansson suing Disney? Only time will tell. Everyone but sues. I think they got to get their money. You can't be breaking contracts. <laughs> go get go get paid. That's what I have to say. That's all I have to say on that. You broke your contract. Pay I the agree. actors. Do it. You have enough money. Just do it. Yeah. You'll be fine, Nikki. You'll be fine. <laughs> Terrence, what did you think of Emily Blunt and The Rock's film it's it's funny uh i'm a fan of Dwayne. i love his movies they're fun they, he typically has a good time he's very charismatic but i really had no desire to see this movie originally i was like I, sure another disney ride movie whatever i i don't care it, this that, this ride itself didn't really mean that much to me and from the disneyland visits that i've had so it's like ah, who cares and after about five minutes into this movie, I couldn't stop smiling. I was having a ball. Like, if this was a lot of fun. And yeah, there's, it's very, it's by the books. Like, you know what you're kind of getting. You're getting a sort of a Indiana Jones adventure, mummy-ish, very, very pirates. But I'm okay with that because what makes this work is that both Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt are so charismatic and charismatic with each other that anything, the ride that they're, I'm going with, with the two of them, I'm in. Like I, once they get together, this movie clicks and clicks on all cylinders. It just becomes a damn good time. And it's as simple as that. Sometimes, if the chemistry works, it works. Yeah, I think my journey with this movie was I don't care. Uh, but that being said, I I had never been to Disneyland before. I saw Pirates of the Caribbean, and that first movie is still one of my favorites of all time. I have since <laughs> been to Disneyland many times, and have still never been on the Jungle Cruise. So here we are. Uh, I'm sure that I would love it. I'm sure it would be a great time. I just, you know, they've got Star Wars and Marvel stuff to see now. I don't know. It's going to be the last thing you like. Like, oh, there's a small world, there's Star Wars, there's this, and there's a jungle cruise. And now look, it's no Country Bears. The hit just a movie. film <laughs> based off of the same play. Yeah. But, you know, I, it's great. If you don't know the movie, it's, it's swashbuckling. Dwayne Johnson is giving Caribbean cruises... Emily Blunt is on search for a flower that is going to cure every disease of mankind. It turns out that conquistadors have attempted to get this and have been met with a terrible curse, as is the style of the time. Many other genres have done this, well, many other movies in this genre have done this, and uh, I did end up enjoying this movie. I like The Rock, mostly. I feel like it's time for him to do something other than being The Rock, and I felt like we got that here. I felt like we kind of saw a a more depressed, down on his luck, I don't want to go, I don't want to do it, you shouldn't even be here kind of rock 
combined with this sort of like witty swashbuckling, uh, you know, very Jungle Cruise, what I imagine the ride is, timed traps, trained animals, it's all mastermind by him, even leading up to fun moments of him stopping a tiger attack only to discover that that is in fact his pet tiger <laughs> that he has. Yeah. Uh, I really liked Emily Blunt's character, very reminiscent of the mummy, a very just like stern. She's strong. She's smart. She's going to get what she's doing. She's not here to haggle. She's not here to get tricked. I'm she all about it. a lot of Rachel Weisz's character. Yeah. That yeah. being said, I, I kind of wish these two characters had started to trust each other a little bit more quicker. We were doing a lot of, come on, pants, take that, Skippy. No one touches my engine. Well, I know what I'm doing. I would never let you drive my boat. And that was my only, like, we can do this for 30 minutes. Then I need us all to get on the same page and be yeah. the team. And it doesn't really change until the last act with a, a big twist. So it's kind of like, oh, that needed, like, we spent an hour and some change with these guys doing this. And it, yeah, I, it can get taxing or old pretty quick. I think because they are so good at it that it didn't bother me, but it can start start wearing on you after a bit. After a bit, um, the ride itself, just to kind of give a little background on that uh, at Disneyland, it's it's a simple ride. It's just literally a boat ride around the jungle s portion they sort of made, and they have sort of weird things sometimes popping out. It's just stuff that's not real. That they're kind of like, oh, this is the source of the snow house, or this is where I. But they don't have in. a real snow house. It's all fake. It's all fake. But the one thing that I will say that is almost a one-to-one -one that I kind of was like, oh, that's cute, is that the skipper or whoever your captain is, is the, the boat to a person. And they are saying some of the most corniest and wildest, just, just terrible things that you're like, uh, but you're at Disneyland, so you're kind of like, ah, oh, it's a family affair, so this is what we're doing. So that sort of gets recreated with the Rod just having a blast, saying the cheesiest thing, sort of becomes a shtick. So that works as a one-to-one. -one. I'm like, oh yeah, that does sort of remind me of being on that ride. Like, eh, I'm chuckling. But that was a terrible joke and you know it. Uh, so that brought me a little bit of joy. But for the most part, the ride is so simplistic that they kind of can do whatever they sort of want to with the film itself, which like none of the stuff about the flower or any of that stuff is actually a part of it. It's more so just a sort of like a lake tour around a little small area that they've kind of designed to have spots. Which I really like. I think one of the, <clears throat> before we kind of get into the advantages of adapting this theme park ride, one of the other things I really did like in this movie was the practical sets. There's a lot of CGI animals and, and kind of goofiness, but these big sweeping landscapes and these large sets they built for these set pieces was incredible. I that love was old sounds like with the like the soundstage style stuff and it's like super large you know they built this massive set to just blow up and i was like oh that's fun this movie works a lot better when it's doing the practical stuff a lot of the time the cgi and especially for a film that was in the can for as long as it was some of the cgi is still really rough and i was like yeah. how did we spend so much time with this movie existing and you haven't fixed all of these things it feels like the cgi wanted to be stylized to play a bit more the way like a 2d animated disney movie does where they have like personalities like even when the tiger fights the spider i was like why is the spider doing like jim carrey hand movements <laughs> like it's a yeah. spider uh right. just be a spider but uh, that it didn't really get in the way that much, but I do think we were talking about adapting this ride. You bring up a very good point of there is no lore. You're not really going to get stuck in the same trap that I think something like Dune might get stuck in. 
the Indiana Jones 5 movie might get stuck in, adaptations of comic books, reboots of beloved properties, horror genres. Everybody, one, nobody owes you anything. Characters exist to service the story they're in, not the other way around. So I I don't know what to tell you. We're a a last Jedi positive podcast (laughs) here. So deal with it. I know. But that being said, I think this puts you in a unique place where you, you have a ride. All you really got to get is this skipper that makes puns and the jungle. And the rest of it is kind of up to you. It, it feels like buying an old Lego set before they had IPs where they were just like, today pirates and tomorrow nights and on Wednesday, the moon. What will happen? It's up to you. The choice is yours. <laughs> which is uh, I think very freeing for a company that wants to both have the advantages of a built-in IP and property and some sense of awareness of what it is and also want to make an original movie. You kind of get this cute middle ground where it's like, well, we're not going to piss anyone off, but people know what the Jungle Cruise is because it's it's a a giant ride at a giant Right, right. I've got a slight end because people have been to Disney, they know this ride. And then We'll just tag along the biggest star in the world today. And we'll hit some mark. One of these marks will hit because they know something. Yeah, built-in ride, giant quest, charismatic lead, some romancing the stone, some Indiana Jones, some pirates, and some uh, The Mummy from 1999. And I'll love it. I'll sit there and I'll enjoy it. You can take all the elements from these movies that we're going to get into and go, but it's kind of interesting because like, how do you stay true to a ride? And I know there are people who can probably answer that, that I'm very good friends with. And I'm, uh, I'm sure that if I did that homework, I would be like, this is how you would do it. But I think all you have to do is have the fun Easter eggs. It's what country bears did so. <laughs> it's what no pirates of the Caribbean did yeah. so well. You had these famous scenes from the ride, the dog with the key and then trying to get the dog over with the meat bone. That was the moment in the movie where even mm-hmm. my parents were like, ah, that's the th- it's the ride. That's fun. Right. Like it's more about these like Easter eggs and the environment that you're building with a ride. It would be kind of cool to either have like a brand new original ride at the park or a new movie, make a new ride at the park. But you know, we're getting all this Marvel star Wars stuff. So that is happening, but yeah. I just want an upride, Terrence. I just want to go into a hot air balloon. <laughs> just hold a balloon and just go up in the air. Yeah, I yeah, think that would I be great. <laughs> I don't know why we're still doing scenes over California when we could have the upride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny because I mean, like there was one, I, the one that I always think back to, I'm like, oh, why did they make a ride off of that? Like, I mean, Tomorrow Man, Tomorrowland didn't do well. That was the funny one. But Haunted Mansion is the one that I always think about with these. It's just like, ah. Oh, that movie did everything absolutely incorrect to bring a, a, a franchise ride to, and it obviously yes, it takes place in a mansion. You can't really get that wrong, but I think a lot of the the heart of what you feel with that ride was sort of missing in that Eddie Murphy uh, version, which is why we're probably creating a reboot. <laughs> well, which is always see weird. How those it. contract negotiations go? <laughs> that movie might be gone. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> who knows uh, but no it is true like they they now have a much longer history of adapting these rides than i think people really realize i think we focus so much on pirates because that first movie is of course perfect yeah but like you do contrast that with the haunted mansion you go well how did this how did this eddie murphy disney property not spawn 
30 sequels and it's right. right like the spirit of being on the haunted mansion and the mystery of that ride and going through the first room and having that introduction and the room spinning the, around and yeah, the elevator the dropping fake elevator yeah, and these great. long portraits and being you know they show you a mirror with ghosts in it with that are in the ride with you and it, it's hard to encapsulate that magic Mm-hmm. And I do think that that's actually something that both Pirates and Jungle Cruise do very well. The atmosphere of Pirates, which is my favorite ride at Disneyland and also one of my favorite movies, is, you know, these grimy, grungy pirates and some scenes that we can get rid of now that did not make it into the Pirates movie because right. we don't need them. Uh, we're also pro getting rid of those on this podcast. <laughs> Other things that people get mad about for no reason. Uh, you get the dog, you get these the embodiment of this adventure that these pirates went on, these piles of coins, this weird story of like, you know, there's a human skull on the ride. You know, one of these skulls is real. Like, yeah. you start kind of getting your own myth baked into this. And I think you're right. I think the Jungle Cruise movie takes those myths that you have on that ride, which is just... I want to learn about this weird fake jungle and infuses that into the movie in a very fun way. It becomes very thrilling to just be like, Oh, well, what's, what's around this turn? What are we going? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't really get movies that make characters anymore. We're like Paul Giamatti is in a movie and he's, he's clearly having a ball. You're like, Oh, that's fun. Whatever he's doing. I want more of it because he's having a damn good time. Those weird off the cuff like oh we don't get to see these in these because movies nowadays are very straight straight edge and like all right this is what we're doing this is what these fantasy films or these big swashbuckling type of movies this is where you get to do the weird shit that paul giamatti is pulling off in this film uh and i and i love it oh yeah 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 i, I all the characters i really liked now they don't have as i was watching this i kept comparing in my head to pirates and we don't have the like great character intro for Jack Sparrow. You know, we don't have this epic hero who passes yeah. the skeletons and takes off his hat. And then you cut to the boat sinking and he gets off. We don't it's really weird. build him up that way. Right. It's weird. They sort of do that with Lily. Like Lily gets the big moment because she has the whole, I'm, I'm getting the arrow and then I'm going climbing up the ladder and escaping like that whole getaway and then her landing in the boat or landing in the bus car before taking off is like, that's the intro moment for this big, this big scale. And that's when I was like, oh, they're giving her the big intro. And then we're just going to meet Frank, which is an interesting play because everything leading up to this has led me to believe, and it's co-billing, but it has led me to believe that The Rock is the major point A of this. But this movie starts off with like first 15 minutes is all well, she really it's emily blunt's movie and she has right. the most agency in the movie she has Correct. the strongest motivation she has the clearest character arc you know when we meet the rock he might as well just be a drunk tour guide and we're right. like we're tiptoeing around it you know we're not quite like jack sparrow's a drunk and we didn't mind showing that to kids at that time and now it's more like I'm gonna throw out all your luggage except for the liquor, except for the cabin. alcohol. And he has his flash that he takes a sip of. It's it's clear that there's some alcohol things going, but they don't. Once the alcohol uh, bit with the luggage happens, they don't really come back to it. But yes, it's clear that he's like, I'm just doing. I'm here. I'm, I've yeah. been on this. It, the, the twist that we get is like, oh, I see why he is that way. But it's kind of like ah, that makes 
sense. So then before we get into the adventure genre, let's talk about this twist because I feel like it's necessary to both say what this movie steals and doesn't steal in this genre <laughs> and why it kind of is relevant. Uh, spoiler alert, if you haven't paid the $30 or gone to the movie to spend an equal or less amount. I saw a uh, family of six in there. I was like, guys, you could have just watched this on at home. <laughs> I, I did the premiere access, that Delta variant. Oh, you did? Fucking nice. around. Yeah, I don't nice. know. Got off work at six. I hit that play button at 6.30 and let me tell How you, easy it is great. It's one of the greatest things. Yes, it's fantastic. <laughs> it's uh, It really made me wish, we're not going to talk about it too much, but I really kind of made me wish the Green Knight had the same access. I was like, oh, I kind of wish I could just put on the Green Knight now and knock it all out. Yeah. Um, but we're not here to talk about that long poem. Uh, we are here, in fact, to discuss, I liked the Green Knight, but it's a long poem. It is. But this twist. So these conquistadors have come. They've all been cursed. We find out that this, he's not a Nazi, but he might as well be a Nazi. He is kind of a Nazi. That's a, um, Prince is, yeah, he's, he's sort of Nazi. It's like, it's not a war. That's, I kept kind of being like, what year is this? Because like, it's not a World War II. I think it's the end of the Spanish War. Yeah. But like, he's very Nazi-centric. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. So, you know, we've got your stereotypical Indiana Jones German villain who just wants to find this flower and being the curse to do is to further his own gains in this war. Whichever one is going on. Nondescript, 16-something. Turns out, Dwayne The Rock Johnson was part of these conquistadors. They had come to find this flower to save his general's daughter and do all this stuff, and then they found it, and then they were all cured of their diseases, and then they weren't allowed to take it, so they slaughtered everybody on the <laughs> island. So they were then cursed, because again, that's what we do with these movies. Yeah. And uh, they were told, you know, they'll live, they'll die, they're stuck by the river, unless they can't get back to that river. So then the rock plants them after years of fighting, years of dueling, very pirates climax, but it kept going. 100. It really was that, like, well, what are we going to do, Jack? two immortals battling to the end of time. You kind of had that lived out in this movie. And Correct. then the solution was, I'm going to put them in a pit where they can't get out. Then the jungle takes them over and creates the, uh, what I thought were very cool CGI villains that I wanted more of. These, this weird bee man. They all had their own sort of style man. to them. Yeah, that was dope. Very uh, Beast Wars, Transformers, very, yes. uh, very. let's not rip off Pirates 2 too much. I yeah. wanted more of that. That was one thing in the movie. I was like, I don't really care about this fake Nazi. I want to see more of the like, this weird B-man and this Well, that's what man. was weird is that we, it was hard. This film doesn't have a hard, oh, definite one villain. It's like, this guy's a villain and this guy's a villain. And it's weird because it sort of starts to split the time. And I'm like, Jesse Plemons' character, is, is, is. it seems like that's who they want us to feel like the main villain is, but he's almost he's almost too cartoony. Whereas at least the CGI folks, I feel a little bit more dread and terror when they're on the screen. So that should be the villains that we are more in line with and more afraid of. Uh, and I feel like they don't quite even that out enough or give it enough to the CGI folks. They don't really matter until the third act. Right, and sucks. I really... Like, I, the action then could have, I think, been cooler. I was like, I really yeah. want to see what these guys can do. And it all felt very, like, <clears throat> staged Indiana Jones. And I think that's because The Rock is massive. It's a big man. Yeah. So I was <laughs> like, I get there. We're like, but every punch, it felt very slow. 
And I was like, I really want the action to be like crazy. Yeah. Because we've got these crazy villains that are just so cool. They're very toyetic is like the word I would use. I'm like, these are the kind of things that like, I would have seen this movie when I was 12 and then driven to Toys R Us would be like, I gotta buy that fucking B guy. I want that B guy now. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, I want that B guy now. That is awesome. <laughs> uh, but alas, I don't, they might have Jungle Cruise toys. I don't know. I don't know. They certainly don't have ones that I want. But correct. I thought that it was very, that that was cool. But so it turns out that Dwayne Johnson was part of this. He's stuck them under curse. So now he's doing these tours, which does change a lot of his agency. But where this differs in a lot of adventure movies is this is the middle of the film. And typically the reveal that magic is real is your third act. The hero has lost moment. Pirates and the mummy are really the two exceptions to that rule. And even the mummy kind of takes its time, but pirates from the jump, even that curse is just a legend. This is the first time that I can think of or halfway through a movie. We just went, it's all real. Here's the expo exposition. Everything is real. Here you go. (laughs) Messing around with it. Here we go. Then, you know, we've got to do his self-sacrifice. Then she has to sack, which a part of me was like, let the rock die. take the flower and girl there's going to be this thing called covid later and you're going to want that flower like don't just give it all to the rock right now like no mass produce that what are you doing come back and get him later it's fine the pharmaceutical industry is going to ruin us the cost of insulin is going to be way too high medicare is going to be trash we barely know this guy you haven't even kissed this man yet you gave some water breaths oh you have no idea how hard it's going to be to just go to a doctor in a hundred years you keep that medicine flower oh my god i was so like don't you do it don't yeah. you do it you have no idea how bad it's gonna get it should have been easy we all should have got our vaccines and worn our masks and you will be yeah. amazed how many people won't emily blunt well i feel like this movie was took place in 1960 so world war one dysentery like all the stuff that Oregon trail goes through we haven't even gone through that yet keep that damn flower oh my god <laughs> do you know how expensive it's going to be for some people to go to the dentist and how hot capitalism is going to make this impossible. Keep your flower. Yeah, that was the one thing that I was sitting there like, I don't know. If we she... can find another star for the sun. Like, I was like, we can get another one. What's 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 John Jason Cena doing Statham right now? is available. <laughs> what's John Cena doing? Get him in here. Yeah, I was. that was the one part. I was like, I don't know if she would be this, especially the, all the agency that we've been given with this character. I don't know if she'd be so quickly to be like, here. Because you also kind of got the sense that The Rock was like, I just want to die. It did like, seem like he was tired. Like, look, I've been through so much. Just let me go. Like, he even, the look that he, they had a conversation before he went even went down there. He's like, look, I, she's like, you can come do this with me. You can come do this. She's like, no, no, no. I don't want any of that. I just want to die. <laughs> no, I'm good. I don't need to learn how to drive a car or something. So <laughs> I don't want any of that. Uh, but yeah, it's interesting because I feel like that's one of the big differentiations in the rest of this genre, which brings us to the, I think is a beloved genre. And I'm proven by that because once a week on my Twitter, the mummy trends, pirates trends, or Indiana Jones yeah. trends, or Uncharted trends, or Tomb Raider in a rarer instance. Although yep. I do like the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider movies quite a bit. And those games are fantastic. Correct. Terrence, why do you think as far back as Romancing the Stone and even further beyond, 
why does this genre, which if I may be blunt, is pretty simple, it's which is very... just a character going after a rock. In this case, the literal rock. The, the actual, yeah. <laughs> why, why do we love it so? There is something fun. It's very old school. Like even, I mean, obviously I'm not that old, but like just the old school of just like these radio plays that people used to do, or like you would listen to the swashbuckling tale. It's very, it's the bare bones of stories. You're like, you get a good guy, you get a bad guy. The good guy's chasing to get something from the bad guy or the bad guy and the good guy are chasing something together. And then calamity ensues. And it's just the, the, the essence of what tells a good story. Zorro was in that category. Like all of these big swashbuckling tales and you're like, I just want to see them to go on the highest scales or the lowest scales and just kind of like, just go for Bond. While it's not the same thing, Bond sort of fits into that big scale type of like where we're doing these swashbuckling, these all, all types of adrenaline adventures. And obviously at the end of the day, you know what's going to happen. They, got, get, 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 they win. But it's the, the joy of seeing it done well. And that's why I say, yes, it's very by the book. It does know it's a point A to point B to point C story. But if you have good characters that people like fall in love with, then the ride just becomes fun. At that point, you're like, I know what I'm getting. This is comfort food to me. I know what I'm getting. But if I like these people, I can invest. And I'm like, cool, sit back. I know what we're doing, but I'm, I'm here for it. Let me see every piece of this. Yeah, I think you kind of hit on something that we're, we see in modern filmmaking. Uh, the spy movie with James Bond, the adventure movie with Indiana Jones, and the old Westerns were in many ways our superhero movies before everybody wore spandex and we made fun television shows using old sitcoms. And I think it was sort of that everyman approach, give us a larger than life character, whether that represented the idyllic, maybe now problematic, but the, a man's man and James Bond and a, right. a strong, it belongs in a museum. This <laughs> resolve of these characters to always do the right thing and to always persevere. And I, I think the adventure genre specifically lended itself to this larger than life, grand globe trotting adventure where every other scene was like the you had indiana jones was always we got to fight the nazis but we've got to go to at least two countries to do it which means we're going to see all of these unique places and Massive people scene. and societies and swords and guns and explosions and it this was the tentpole filmmaking before we got to space and we put on masks right and I think that it's something that now we kind of like the math of it really isn't there anymore. Cause when you look at like the superhero movie, it is much more internal and external. It is, it's the Spider-Man coming to terms with the power he has Iron Man coming to terms with, Oh, I selling weapons was bad. And it, I'm seeing the consequences. And now I have to go do this. The, the adventurer always knew what was typically right. knows right exactly there was always a like it belongs to them it doesn't even like i think now really maybe even some of them before indiana jones is like maybe it doesn't belong in a museum maybe it belongs to that country of origin maybe indiana jones doesn't need to take the but then you know he comes to that he sees the ark right. of the covenant and goes no 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 one can open we cannot know this and there's always a fun, like a sense of belief that I think is in there because almost all of these movies have a 
ancient religious idea behind it of like, do you believe in curse stories? Yeah, best start believing in ghost <laughs> stories. And then they always dance into that horror space, the face melting off in Indiana Jones, the drinking the wine and pirates and it dripping yeah, the, down. Oh, this one is still one of the best shots ever. The yeah. Beatles and the mummy. Oh, these are the things. And it kept that family going alive, but it had these like, ooh, yeah, these moments that I you don't really get in Iron Man. There is no horror in Spider Man. No. There is no horror. Well, there's some in the Sam Raimi Spider Man. But, but it's true. Like yeah. But like these are the things. Like they go to find the unknown and they find it. Like there's always mm-hmm. something kind of about that because I think in horror, in superheroes, in mysteries, in thrillers, we are kind of set to believe already. We're going into a horror movie. We know there's a ghost. We sit down with a with superhero yeah. movies. We know that the X Men have powers. We sit down with a with knives out. Well, we know there's a solution to this. But with these type of films, you're sitting there like, will they? Will they? Will they? Oh shit! They did it. There is yes. there's something fun because we it all is. have myths. We all have yeah. stories, and like there's something fun in that first Pirates movie when he's like with the black pearl, you know. So the, you've seen a ship. With black sails so dark that even the night would, I, I, I've, I've seen a ship with black sails. And so any ship with black sails that is at night must be, well, I, like they even debate the myth in the movie. I say and, what makes that work is because they're debating it. And at that point, Sparrow just seems like a, a walking drunk, like he's a walking alcoholic. So you're like, I don't know if I can believe him. And, and then when it you happens, know. you're like, oh, oh, he knows. And they debate it in horror movies as well. Right. But the difference is that like, like the conjuring three, we talked about being weird because we as an audience have seen an exorcism and now we have to watch them convince people that exorcisms are real. But in the first pirates and in jungle cruise and in Indiana Jones, it always kind of starts off being like audience. Here's a story. Eh, It's probably not real though. Right. (laughs) And so there is always like a very weird possibility that like the curse of the black pearl could just be the boat might have just sank. Right. And I think that's why the second, third, and fourth, and fifth pirates movies aren't quite as fun. Because you're already in it. We know the Kraken's coming. Yeah. So then you have like you have the scenes I hate in horror movies where they're like, is Mike Myers really out there? And you're like, we he has killed five people. He has murdered everyone. Like, oh my God. Uh, but there's something, and these 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 swashbuckling, larger than life characters who would just know everything, and I, I think that's what endures in this movie. Is you are sort of like, man, we're at the jungle, and we just don't know. And Emily Blunt is just so suave and fun in that intro, and even the rocks making these corny jokes, and it just puts a smile on and your it, face. It's something so simple, and it's so beat by beat it follows the rules but the just the, there's a scene in here where they're swinging and he tries to swing and he puts his foot down and he's missing and he's like i got it i got it and i, I don't have it and they kind of lose it it's pitch perfect it's fantastic and i was like oh god this is what i need i love all of this this is great. well those are always the best moments because in all of these what they have is jack sparrow indiana jones romance of the stone the rock are also characters that are like i got it yeah, I'm good. I don't. I, I don't got it. I don't uh, got nope, it. I was wrong. I, I gravely misjudged this. And I think there's always something fun, and that's what like the spy movies don't do. Like James Bond always has it. There's never has. a moment where James is like, "Whoa, oh. no, no, he he's got it." He's, Correct. 
Uh, I, I think that that's where like, because then, you know, thematically, even when we talk about like, well, why are we doing this? Why are we here? And does it matter to a modern audience? And I'm like, well, I, this is kind of just a, another movie of like, love is nice. And like they're even, you know, Indiana Jones is always like, well, it belongs in a museum, but we have to stop the bad guy from getting it. And if the bad guy gets it, it's bad. And, you know, mm -hmm. pirates is all these movies usually deal with the ideas of immortality, the idea of absolute power. And like, what would you do with that power? And it's usually about being like, you don't want it. Like the fun part of Jack Sparrow was like, I kind of want it. Which is sort of fascinating in this one is that, I mean, we find out that The Rock's Frank is immortal or he has been around for a while. And he's sort of, to, to get at the end, he gives up his immortality. Although it wasn't really his choice, but his immortality is given up for him. Uh, and he's now regular which is kind of like oh that's a sort of a, a flip on the norm of what we kind of have to go through at the end of those no i think usually those themes are like you make what you have with the time you've got we don't need right. to be doing this what made pirates so interesting where the villains agency was like we gotta undo this yeah like we don't we've been too long have i <laughs> drank wine and not tasted it too long like it oh that movie so let's just talk about pirates <laughs> <laughs> uh but so do you think Jungle Cruise then, because like it did fine, 30 million in a pandemic, 30 million more on Disney Plus. These aren't great numbers, but mm -mm. We're, we're, we're playing in a different ball game. Now. I say the, the world is very different right now, especially now with the, the, the Delta stuff coming up. I, you're going to have half the audience saying, I'm not going back to a theater because of this. And the other half, like, I'm not wearing a mask going back to the theater. So it's a lot of people just not going to a theater right now, understandably. So... Does this movie do enough to set itself apart from the other things in the genre? Did we need to do this or uh, we just, we just, we got to make sure that ride's still relevant because, you know, Anaheim's got to eat. <laughs> that mouse is not feeding enough. He's, he's broke. He's having a hard time right now. Um, you know, it, it, if I'm being perfectly honest, no, this movie does not need to exist. Like there's no reason really for a, a jungle cruise to, to, to be around. And it's a, like a, not even a top tier ride at the, at the park. Uh, so it's not like it was it's set up for a ride that was doing well now this might bring more attention to it but even still it's such a small ride it's such a it's like a it's not even a small world like it's a small world it's actually a longer and bigger ride and attraction than this so that's where this gets super bizarre um this feels like this was a vehicle because i know his his entire production company is on it um the rock wanted to do something with disney and I think that's what pretty much got the ball rolling on this. And if The Rock's team, currently The Rock is probably the only star that can kind of like, if he puts his name on it, it's probably going to get greenlit quickly and he can bring in, at, at the very least, he's bringing in $20 million, like just off of his name being on it, which doesn't seem like a lot, but that's quite a bit of, that's a, still a big number off of just the star power alone. Now you start putting in IP, sure, um, I don't, think disney is going to be cranking out a lot of disney rides based off of this budget i mean off of what this box office is like this didn't break open enough so we're like cool we're gonna we gotta we got this one going we're gonna do space war like we're gonna do all like that that's not happening um but i think that it is, does show you that there is if you pair things together you you might get an audience i think this in a normal world this would have made like a 55 million dollar opening in the in the theater um it won't have legs because 
we're getting it. Nothing has legs right now. It's getting everything's getting eaten up so quick. Yeah, yeah. Like and then Suicide Squad comes like we have stuff on the tails of everything so quickly now because of just how everything jammed in there. I I don't know how this. I I. There's no way to track this anymore. Disney Plus gives us first week numbers for stuff that they give a damn about. But yeah, where were those Cruella numbers? Right. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like they pick and choose where they want those numbers. Do you not think that it's even kind of worth having this out there as a like elapsed genre? We haven't really gotten anything like The Mummy or Pirates in a long time. I, I miss know Uncharted these and Indiana Jones are around the corner. I say Uncharted is on around the corner, which is a great if no one's ever played those games. If you want that feeling, those games do it. Tomb Raider 2. Um, I I think there's an audience, I think there's a uh, audience for this. I love these type of movies. They come around so rarely. So when I get to see it, I'm like, ah that's what i'm missing this harkens back to old hollywood but i don't know if the audience is today i don't know if they give a shit my about twitter hollywood. will disagree with you because everybody when this came out was just like i miss the mummy i miss pirates i miss indiana jones all right oh well God, then good. we're back in the saddle which is how i felt because like i've been sitting here like you'd think i'm the pr guy for pirates of the caribbean but we can't <laughs> not talk about the mummy also we can't not talk about indiana jones and when you start looking at then like does this movie do enough so, so, yeah, to set itself apart? I agree with you. Not really. Yeah. We are borrowing their their relationship. Emily Blunt and The Rock's relationship in this movie is very reminiscent of the relationship we get in The Mummy. Mm-hmm. We get a lot of the same kind of give or take. These two kind of like flirty, but they don't trust each other characters. They both think that they're right. And they're not really listening. That's very similar. We talked a lot about the curse being similar to the pirates. Uh, the chemistry is right out of the mummy. Some of these villain kind of CGI vibes, the even sort of the like Emily Blunt has the key around her neck. This is the same way that we started the quest in the mummy. She already had the solution. We didn't have to do an Indiana Jones style. Like we got to get the solution. Then we got to get back to it. We're not racing to the key. The key is already baked into the story. So we're already there. We have these kind of larger than life animal type characters that the mummy also had very heavily. We've got, you know, he, he is Jack Sparrow meets Brendan Fraser. He's got the same kind of smirky attitude, like, I think what made Pirates stand out when it came back was that Jack Sparrow was not an amalgamation of characters we had seen before. We had not really ever gotten a like a drunk, I don't care, I'm on your team, I'm on their team, I'm on my team. You never really know where I'm going, chaotic character like that. I, to this day, watch these movies and I'm like, I don't know that he always would do the right thing. But, you know, Dwayne Johnson and Brendan Fraser. Yeah, I think sometimes just the chance or the way that the tide is going is what made him go good. I think if he if it was switched, he would have gone bad. Like there's a really gray area with with Captain Jack, which I think is what works. And it seems like they tried that a little bit with with Frank, um, being him like, all right, I'm always doing these tricks and setups, but at the end of it, you can still say like, no, Frank's still just a good person. But he was also stuck there. Like Jack Sparrow right. was allowed to, he wasn't, part, he true. was exiled before the curse. He wanted the curse. He, he wanted, wanted yeah. the goal. He wanted <laughs> yeah. to live forever. Uh, and then, you know, I think Brendan Fraser and the Rocks Agency are also very different, but the way these characters do it is very similar. And even the these big practical sweeping sets are very similar to the mummy and to the rock. And 
all of this goes back to romancing the stone and Indiana Jones. I mean, we literally have a map with a red arrow in this movie. We, we can't get away from it. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because as much as I miss this genre, the simplicity of it does get put into like Guardians of the Galaxy. We've got a very Indiana Jones yeah. setup of him. How am I going to get this power stone out? These things kind of come into other movies in these ways, but I like that we have it. And I like that the response has been like, give me more. Cause I am always like it the same way I am with like a good heist or I'm like, yeah, we don't really get the team together anymore. Like those oceans films were fun, but we don't do them enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, come on, like, just give me, give me a map, a place to go and a curse. Now what this movie didn't have that all the other ones have is that horror element, you know? We talked about the face melting off. We you get it a little. I think they they hint at it a little bit with the snakes and like you cut open, which I think is a dope trick. With you cut its face and the snake comes out of it. I was like, oh, that's fun. But it, yeah, you're right. There's not a really horrific element that's and it's added. not as tangible because it's so CG. It, yeah, it's so well, and, and you know what? Even less so the CGI because I kept kind of I can't quite put my finger on it. And there's something that these Disney movies are doing and a lot of modern movies are doing where I'm like, is it because it's so bright? It doesn't feel like Indiana Jones, Pirates, The Mummy. It feels very lived in and dark and dingy and grungy. And there, there was just something like this felt like it was clean. It was very clean. Yeah. And I was like, I think that also we also made the like scary people funny where like Pirates and Indiana Jones and The Mummy have a like comic relief character but there's but still the something others, scary. It's still scary Yeah. And I was like, the the people that I'm supposed to be afraid of are also like doing bits. So like I'm not that afraid of them. Right. And I didn't really get to see them do enough to really be like, whoa. Well, that's the thing. I say like, I don't think they did enough things, anything that was terrifying enough. I'm like, oh, that is clearly the villain. This is why I kind of got confused. Was like, I don't know if Jesse Plymouth's character or if these CG, these other characters are the true villain because neither of them. I mean, truthfully, Jesse Plymouth's character does more things that are and put the characters in peril, like throwing a missile at them or shooting missiles at them is more terrifying than a lot of the things that happen in the back end with the the, the monsters, if you will. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think clearly the adventure genre is important and it matters. I think really, I think the reason why is just like, it's a good time. Look, it's one of those easy type of movies where you can take your, like I saw entire family, even though it was a few people in the theater, the few people that were there, it was like a, a family of six. They took all their kids. They took, it was grandma was in there, the two parents and then their kids. It's an entire experience that you can take from top of the family to the bottom of the family and just like sit down and have a good time. And a lot of these movies that we see, like horror movies, you're not getting grandma to go to see that. You, like there's sometimes where the cutoff, you're, you're losing parts of your audience. These type of movies, you got the entire audience, you can, the entire family you can put in there. And, and it's very rare that you get a, a movie like that these days. Yeah, this is true. I think it's very good. I do think the one thing that's kind of a bummer to me, and Disney just keeps doing this, uh, their LGBTQIA representation once again was like, we've got it. And I don't know how and about we don't. You. <laughs> we, we have it. And I don't know about you. And it's, look, it's funny, but it's a weird thing that you have bits in your film that actively are poking fun or joking at the one minority person or one uh, uh, not active group well, he, members expense. It's, it's, like, it just feels weird. 
it's Emily Blunt's. Uh, I don't even know brother. their relationship. Their brother. brother. Yeah, they're yeah. brothers. And I don't even really remember a big scene where he like he like comes out when they're having drinks at the bar. And I love in that sequence. I love Frank's response to that because he he gets it. And he's like, oh, all right, cool, and kind of and it, and I felt like, oh, cool. If we leave it at that. I'm golden. Like I'm, this is great. I love it. It's very simplistic, but then it comes back and there's a little trifecta in, in yeah, the I'm comedy like, world. Once comedy again, threes. we've kind of like pushed it to the background. It's one scene that's easy to lift out. If you have regions that you're going to release your movie in where that's not okay. And I'm like, I really kind of want to see them like go above and beyond with it. Like a part of me was like, it's going to be The Rock and him that get together. It's not going to be Emily Blunt and The Rock. Because I just didn't really even buy Emily Blunt and The Rock together. I liked their chemistry, but when they were like, they're romantic, I was like, I don't think I got that vibe. Well, nothing came from it that, nothing happened before that that led me to believe that that was the case. Like, it was him even looking at her or whatnot. It was more him in awe of her having the, the pendant, not of her, yeah, she's a beautiful woman, but that's not what he was looking at. He was looking at the pendant. So it was just like, I don't really feel that this is where we're going. Yes, that would have been a better play, I think, if he, if he hit on him. Because it just felt very cheap to have this joke of like, I won't ruin it because it, it's not really even that funny. But there's a joke. It's just like, ah, sure. Yeah. I mean, you're going for the, the lowest common denominator here, I guess. That's I mean, funny. Yeah. So that, that was kind of my one thing where I was like, oh, we're going to really, we're like doing it. We're not just going to say it. We're going to do it. And then they were like, I was like, oh, we're just going to, okay. Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I liked the ending when he told everybody to, to kick rocks. I thought that great. was great. It was great. Uh, and I, always... Overall, I like that character as a whole. And I, and it was clear to me that he was um, on the LGBTQ spectrum. Oh yeah. I just didn't need and, and I love the reveal. I just didn't need the butt of a joke. If you lift that that joke sequence out, it's per it's pitch perfect. I think you would have nailed it. Yeah, I yeah, I was I was very much like, ah, it's okay, it's it's better than the rise of Skywalker. Uh, <laughs> we're making we're making strides. Yeah, we're getting we're we're heading into the right direction. Yes. Uh so you know it's there, I guess. But overall, liked the movie. Do we need another one? I truly don't think we do. I feel like I, I like this, this and I can walk a... away. Yes, I think this is fine as a one-off. I don't need to see this because I think when when you get into, if you start doing sequels, you sort of get into the Pirates 2 of it all where you're like, we've been to this world, you've explained all the rules and now you're breaking. Now, the one thing that they will have in their advantage is that The Rock is human and can be harmed. So that gives a little bit more peril, but you're not going to, it's The Rock. You're not going to kill that guy. I also, I don't know. I feel like, I feel like there's nothing to happen to these two characters other than them watching diseases run rampant and then be like, you know, we could have mass produced this flower. Don't let's not bring it up. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I was so. I mean, we always like you know we can't have it. Like, if you put that in the world, they're like, well, this. I would have been more interested in a sequel had The Rock done the self sacrifice, and I was like, oh, we're gonna give Emily Blunt a franchise, and just she could keep going on adventures. But yeah. like the that that's kind of the thing about these movies that this one didn't really do is like the Indiana Jones and pirates always kind of had a, like, now what that I liked. Like even the first pirates had bring me the horizon. And he's got this compass that we don't really know what it does, but we know it does something. And then that's in like the sequels. And you know, right. the mummy also had this like, well, we're not done yet. And all of the Indiana Jones always has this like, well, now what? Or like, 
and I get it. I always like a movie should be self-contained, but I, I'm also a sucker for like, we did this adventure and then the phone rings. Breadcrumbs, yeah. <laughs> we've, we've never, for the most part, made a movie and then been like, never going to be a sequel. Like even We're done Star here. Wars was like, where did Darth Vader go? Yeah. Yeah, so there's I'm, usually some type of a note put in towards the tail end. Yeah, where you're like, ooh, yeah. phone rang. <laughs> We've got your next mission, Bob. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Then in the credits, they say he'll return. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, yes. There's always, this didn't have that. They just drive yeah. around in that car. And I was like, all right, that's kind of an anticlimactic ending. Uh, but great. I love it. Did well. I really hope that Emily Blunt joins Scarlett Johansson and sues Disney for more money because... I'm interested to see how this works. I, I'd imagine that both of them, especially Dwayne, probably had a lot of kickers as a producer or whatnot that like, if these numbers aren't going to hit where I need them to hit, do we have a conversation? And if Dwayne gets into that that mix, then Disney has to start listening because they're going to be like, okay, we can't just poo-poo this guy. Yeah, right. we didn't throw him off a cliff in Endgame. So. <laughs> yeah, they really, I mean, like we, you know, we're wrapping up the show, but they really did that actress and that character dirty this whole time. And I'm just like, go get it. Yeah, I'm I'm Go all in it. her camp. I'm like, you put out one of the better films, like even if you didn't, but you put out one of the better films. You you put out a great product, and then and then this world, they've done this where your film is getting half the residuals here, half the residuals there. And you're kind of just like, hey guys, I still need the money that was going to be given to me had this been normal. And you chose to do this without talking about renegotiating any of my contract. That ain't gonna work for me. Good for you, Scarlett. It should have been Clint. Well, that's our show, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we enjoyed speaking into these microphones from two different cities. You can, of course, follow the show on YouTube at youtube.com slash Hollywood already did it and watch Terrence's Ghostbusters reaction as well as other trailer and movie reviews there. You can then keep following the show for more of our Marvel pair-up series. Soon it will be What If, along with the history of Marvel movies that aren't in the MCU. And I promise you in a week and a half, I'll have thought of a simpler way for that to roll off the tongue. <laughs> I probably won't. No. Uh, there's sometimes we'll get back to it also. Season two of You Can't Do That. What do we call it? You can't do that anymore. We can't do, do that a show. Anymore. That's it. Thank you. <laughs> uh, about movies that might be problematic nowadays that used to be popular that you couldn't make anymore. And uh, next week is Suicide Squad. And I think we're really back in the saddle of movies. So leave us a review on the podcast. Leave us a comment of what you thought of the Jungle Cruise and the adventure movies that you have near and dear to your heart. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of the mummy. People love the mummy. I love the mummy, but I like pirates more. You can then follow me at As Always Blake and Terrence at Terrence Tatum, and that is our show. We will see everybody next week for Suicide Squad.